Good evening. I'm Paul Sexton. And I'm Bobby Burns. And this is Wayward Weekly. Around the world and into your home, the stories that touch your life. This is Wayward Weekly. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 17, where once again, we will claim to talk about (laughs) ranked choice voting. And hopefully once again, we don't... uh, Veer off, Paul. Um, Is there anything you want to talk about first? You know, Paul, there's nothing (laughs) I want to talk about first. I want to get to it, and whatever it is you want to talk about, we'll talk about after. Uh, There's nothing else I can really think of uh, off the top of my head. That's a lie, and you know it. Well, yeah, I guess there's always something. But honestly, the news cycle moves so much, and I've been studying so much that I haven't really had a chance to keep up with really anything. But... uh, but we started talking about this, I think, what was it, two or three episodes ago now? Yeah, something like and that. Y- and you were basically saying at one point that you were talking about the way in which you go about voting. And yeah, I'm I was saying try the way that is, I go about voting was that um, I look for third party candidates I feel like I can support. Um, I'm going to be completely candid here. Um, and I'm going to be completely candid because I think I still do more than most 50% of the voters. Um, but uh, <clears throat> the amount of work that goes into my voting is bare minimum. Um, I will uh, oftentimes, maybe let's say 50% of the time, uh, go online and try to read about measures beforehand. I typically will go to Ballotpedia or Ballotopedia, whatever it's called. And I will read about the measures and look at how I want to vote. Um, not that this is important, but typically I'm not for anything that increases taxes, not because I don't agree uh, with what they're trying to spend the tax money on. It just seems to me that it seldomly actually uh, yeah. makes the impact they're attempting to make. Um, mm-hmm. I'm literally for most of the things that they try to do. I've just voted on them in the past, and I don't see the impact that yeah. I like. So it's it's like... I'm for helping out the school districts, but every time we do it, it doesn't seem to work. So I've just stopped trying and I'm not going to want to increase my taxes for something that seems to fail every single time we try it. Um, So when it comes to voting somebody into office, um, you know, I will attempt to do a little bit of a background uh, research. Um, I've read a little bit about uh, Kamala Harris and it hasn't been much. Um, I've read a little bit about Biden and it hasn't been much. I would say probably 10 minutes worth on Biden and maybe 20 or 30 minutes worth on Kamala Harris. Um, I haven't read up on Trump at all or Mike Pence. Uh, I have watched quite a few interviews and read up on Joe Jorgensen, the uh, libertarian candidate. Um, I looked a little bit about Spike, uh, her... VP running mate, but he bugs me. Um, so, um, why does he bug you? I don't know. He did, there's just something about him that bugs me. <laughs> there's something about him that like screams that he's the type of guy to be like, we're all really just in the matrix. Uh, <laughs> mm. I don't. I don't know. Like, it, there's just something about him that uh, that's weird. Um, did you look at Kanye? Uh, I read up about Kanye. Uh, I didn't understand most of the lyrics. <laughs> you just go onto his Twitter page. <laughs> That's his platform mm-hmm. on there. Yeezy. Um, but um, so 
so what I'm trying to get at is that I, I do a little bit, but it seems to be bare minimum. Um, and I'm saying that's more than most. Now, some people might be listening to that and being like, yeah, right. Bullshit. I do all this stuff. I'm, and I'm saying, yeah, you're like the top 10% if you're doing that. Give yourself some credit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think half of the people even look on the internet for anything. I think they go based off of what they see and hear. They confirm their beliefs that they already have. Like they're, yes. they're not really searching for sure. the perfect candidate. They're basically just doing what I used to do. And it, I was just like guaranteed that a Republican is going to get my vote. Right. Like and it was never going to be an alternative. They'll it's look only for recently a news article that, that supports their point of view where I try to look for just like a quick, I don't know, Wikipedia page or an article or two for both. Or I just want to see like yeah. records from something. I don't, I don't want to read a news article with somebody's opinion in it. I feel like every time I start one of those, I'm just like, all right, like skip through the bullshit. Where's the point that they're trying to make here? So anyways, yeah, or just the facts themselves, just so you can yeah, make your own. Yeah. I, I don't decision. I don't need someone's opinions on Trump. Like everyone's, we already know most people don't like Trump. Uh, so great. Like you don't need to just sit there and talk shit before you get to your points on Kim, Kamala Harris. That's not what I'm looking for. So yeah. what I'll do is I'll look for my third party candidates, um, because I've got my own bias and my own bias is that like, I, I don't ever feel like I've been satisfied with anything that's happened at a federal level election or a state level election to where things have really changed. Um, the outcome of life or my life or the people, the life of the people around me. Uh, and uh, I feel like the status quo is pretty much always maintained. And so if I can't find a third party to support uh, that I, I feel comfortable voting for, typically I will vote for the opposite of the dominant current party to attempt to offset things. In other words, if there is a Republican uh, governor of California, I will vote for a Democrat. And if there's a Democrat, I will vote for a Republican uh, simply to tip the scales the other way. That is how I do it. And again, I'm not saying it's the right way to do it. I'm saying I can't sift through all the shit, man. I'm saying that, I don't know, at one point in time, this was supposed to be a republic where we vote for other people to go and vote for us. And I kind of really would like to get back to that to some degree because there's too much stuff for me to pay attention to. And I'd rather it be somebody's full-time job to pay attention and make the right informed decisions for me. But I don't think anybody trusts anybody to do that. And I don't know. I, I wish we could. Well, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean by... Because we, we're still uh, a democratic republic. So we still right, have representatives right. working on our behalf. Are you just saying exactly. that they don't? I, I wish we had people um, more directly working on our behalf. Like, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think that, uh, you know, that the common man is well enough equipped to vote on... Uh, to vote well on statewide elections um, about measures, on federal measures. Um, I don't think they're well equipped to vote on presidents. I don't think they're well equipped to vote on um, governors. Um, I don't think they're well equipped to vote on House representatives or Senate members. I think what we should really get back to is focusing on who we vote for um, 
in our local area, and then I would like that person to just sort of take care of everything for me. Now, I think that comes along with its whole other set of rules. That's like to assume that all of a sudden that these people are altruistic and really just looking out for our best interest and aren't as easily corruptible as the other people. It's easy to sit on the other side and just be like, this sounds better. I'm just saying everyone right now to me seems like a dipshit and not capable of making the correct decision, myself included. And I think that there are probably like the issue is, is like, yeah, there are people better equipped to go out there and make these decisions for me. It's just that there are also lots of corrupt people out there doing the same thing. And, and like, yeah. so you are, you're at a risk of corruption, but we're already at a, such a high rate of corruption that does it even fucking matter? <laughs> like, well, I think it's always been that way, but I, I think you're right. Like, you want representatives that are going to go in there and debate and actually get stuff done and make things happen. But anymore, the House and Senate, they can't seem to, to get along and get anything done. So the president just ends up executing a bunch of executive orders. Uh, and if anything does get done in the House and Senate, it's because it's not because it's what they want. It's like, OK, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to tack in what I want into this bill. So you get these humongous, you know, pork filled bills that just cost a lot of money. But it's right. like, well, that was you know, there were, a huge there, thing with the Affordable Health Care Act. It was that like it wasn't what originally was intended. So all these things got tacked in there by Pfizer. And then everyone's like, cool, we got affordable health care, except for it's not affordable at all. Now it's just mandated more expensive health care. And like it's like Obama's like, well, I, I did what I promised. We passed health care for everybody. And it's like, yeah, but like we just got fucked. <laughs> like, yeah, this was not like uh, we were supposed to have our own choice, this and that. And now it's like you you don't really have a choice. Uh, um you know, you're limited in a lot of ways. Like if I'm with my employer, they're going with uh, Blue Shield. And yes, I can I can pick across the plans that they have, but all my premiums increased. And you go, okay, well, just buy your own health insurance then. And it's like, I mean, I guess this was the exact same situation before. It just wasn't expensive. Like somehow out of all of this, my health care premiums went up and I have these same exact choices. So it didn't make it cheaper. And I was even unemployed for a period of time uh, during this. And I mean, I still had to pay a fuck ton of money for health insurance while I was unemployed. Do you pay yeah. for your own health insurance right now, Paul? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I was going to say, I, I had to do it. And I remember having to pay for health insurance for a short period of time when I was 18. And it was like 90 bucks a month. And I was like, damn, this is expensive. Like, what the hell's going on? And it's... 15 years later and I've got to pay like three or four hundred dollars a month and I'm like what what changed oh through my employer I didn't have to uh, it was all basically included they paid they paid for it all so I was lucky mm, in that regard I have but then never... once I left that employer I went on to uh, California system until you know hopefully I pass the bar and then oh wait so you are get hired so I can pay for it again so you are on California's health care right now yeah. Wait, so how much do you have to pay a month? I'm not paying anything at the moment. How? And I never even use it. How are you not paying anything? Because I don't qualify. Well, I think it's basically like a tiered system to where if you make like a certain amount of income, you like have to pay. But at this point, since I am working on assignment 
for that attorney, I'm not qualified or in an income bracket where I would have to pay for it at this point. So I wonder what happened with me then. So I became unemployed in like uh, July or something one year. And I had to pay, even after that, I had to pay like 100, 150 bucks a month to the California care, the mandated coverage or whatever. But I ended up being unemployed for a year. I didn't make any money and still by the next year I had to pay the same amount. And then when I did my taxes at the end of each year, I had to pay all that they loaned to me back. So I got a job in like July the following year. So I was unemployed for literally almost a year. And then I filed my taxes and I ended up owing money. I'm like, why did I, why do I owe money? And they're like, oh, because, uh, California paid for your health insurance and then you got a job. I'm like, yeah, but I made like $20,000 at the job. And they're like, oh, so your job is through, I mean, they had health insurance through the state of California then. I don't know. I was unemployed. I had to buy huh. my. I just called. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I'm just. But I'm just wondering. All... Mine was through a private. Uh, I was oh. getting private private huh. insurance before, and but the company was taking care of it. Well, that's what I was getting. The company was taking care of it. Then I became unemployed. Um, and, and then, then you had to pay. Yeah. And then I had to pay. But also, this is when it first happened. So maybe there's some overlap there, and I'm wrong. Yeah, I guess the only thing like I, I'm paying to see that private doctor and that's not so i don't even use my insurance it's basically you know you have to be insured otherwise you'll be penalized so i have my insurance but i pay out of pocket which is uh expensive to go see the the doctor that i see but i get personalized coverage like we were talking before that you were saying we should get by going to a doctor but with insurance pro uh, programs and everything i mean you get 15 minutes with a doctor if you're lucky whereas with my doctor, I get to spend an hour with her, and if there's any issue or tweaks I need to make in my like my diet or anything, like we can kind of work on it together. So yeah. I, you know, it's expensive, and I have to pay out of pocket. But um, you know, I'd rather do that than go spend 15 minutes at the local doctor through the state. Well, so. I know, but it it does sound like maybe I just had a different experience or a bad experience because it sounds like you're not having to pay much. Uh, well, as like I said, I think it, I think it's tiered. It's yeah. just like you know, I have to pay taxes each and every year. But I think if you make uh, under mm-hmm. a certain amount, like you obviously don't have right. to pay taxes. Right. So uh, I make enough to pay taxes, but I'm not making enough to where I'll be mandated to pay if I'm through the state of California in terms of my right. insurance. So basically, I'm just doing it. And going through California because so that I don't get penalized. Cause I'm right. not sh- I'm not even aware if the laws are, are still in place where uh, you have to have you're mandated to have insurance. Sure. Um, so I haven't even looked. It seems like uh, things change so much. There's just no uh, consistency. It's right. just you get new people in power. They make a tweak, a change. Then the rules change. And well, I've just gotten <clears> to the point where it's like I've got too much going on at this point to keep up with all that stuff. So the the, the point of all this was you were talking about, um, you know, uh, people making sacrifices in the House or the Senate when they're attempting to pass bills and then stuffing things in at last minute so it can get passed by another party. It's like, well, I'll only vote yes on this if you put a stipulation in there that says um, we can have this or this happens or Pfizer gets kids backs for blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying like that is what ended up happening with Obamacare. It's He was not trying to work with 
uh, a bunch of people on it. And then sort of last minute, Pfizer got to stick a bunch of stuff in there. What exactly? I'm not sure. You know what? And this is based off of my memory of eight years ago. So yeah. uh, I could be fucking wrong on that <laughs> on that too. Yeah. Um, and so I guess this is just my perspective on it. But um, anyways. But before we start going on like a tangent and everything, because I know we wanted to get to the ranked choice yes. voting, so we won't go like too far uh, like into the healthcare realm and all of that, because obviously <laughs> neither of us know a lot about it or even like really like I don't care well, at this and point. And that was kind like, of the point is a... I don't know about this shit. The, the point was is I want someone else to like know for me. To and make I, good decisions, yeah, yeah exactly. To, to make it their job to know this stuff, exactly. but we're it just it, we're just constantly in campaign mode, so it's constantly you know being in front of the public, uh, saying why your side is great or why the other side isn't working with you or they're working against you, and we need more campaign funds. Like it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of work that's going on. You know, uh, especially you think more work would be getting done with these social media platforms because you can reach everyone all at once. It's you know, it's not like our representatives are having to ride on horseback all the way to D.C. <laughs> so that they could, you know, have a legislative session, then ride all the way back so they can tell everyone like this is yeah. what happened. Like it's much easier now, and yet it seems like there's we're getting less done. But what you were saying about voters, uh, like in terms of your gathering information about individuals to vote for or various propositions uh, that are on the ballots, I think that you are probably in the top probably five percent of individuals when they're in terms of information gathering before an election. I think. A lot of people, I mean, aside from podcasts and everything, I'm talking about actually taking in information, reading about bills, doing that kind of stuff. It, it is time consuming. And I would say you're probably in the top five, top, top 10%. And the reason why I know that is because look at um, videos or I mean, advertisements that like super PACs or the various candidates will put on TV about the opposing candidates. Right. You know, those ones where they're just like, they're going to throw granny off the cliff like death taxes and death panels and they show judges in these dark robes and they're going to kill you if you elect this other person like it's basically our political system saying that they know all of us as voters are dumb enough to believe that that we're not going to look into the nuances of anything or why an opponent may have a belief it's I'm going to shove this shit down your throat right before the election because I'm going to throw it on a major news network or a major cable channel. You're going to absorb this information. And because you are so lacking in information and so emotional that you will vote for us because we're going to make you fearful of the opponent. Right. And this has been going on for a long time, but it's become more and more popular to do. And it works in a lot of regards, like we talked about the NRA last week. I mean, they just, I think last week after we finished that podcast, remember I was saying how you would have to basically undo the Second Amendment? Yeah. Which would be extremely difficult to do. Well, the Court of Appeals in California just struck down California's ban on uh, extended magazines for rifles. California, they, they struck it down. So it happened exactly the way that I said it was going to happen. So California enacted a, uh, a ban on uh, large magazines, and the court was like, nope, that's unconstitutional. Huh. It's, re it's reasonable to have those magazines for self-defense. 
exactly what I said with the District of Columbia versus Heller, that court opinion that uh, Scalia wrote back, I think, in 2007. But the thing is, is that the NRA will still keep you know, sending out the tropes that the guns are going to be taken away, but they still have to uh, pass constitutional muster. So they have to be reasonable and they have to be within the scope of Heller. And so we live in a world of fear and our politicians know that action is taken based upon fear and emotion first and then thought comes later it's like with 9-11 like it was so easy for bush and dick cheney to get us to go to war especially with people like me who were operating off of limited information i was a hardcore conservative republican and so my first thought was like yes let's just go to war like i don't care who it is like oh yes saddam hussein he's probably a terrorist terrorist too oh, okay you have uh, cylinders and weapons of mass destruction let's go ahead and do it so uh, I think that that's, we're just kind of in that, in that information cycle. And I think that's what our politicians are, are relying on us to feed off of, yeah. to make our decisions and everything. And I think that you make unique decisions in terms of you going against the grain. So if there's a Republican in power, you're like, okay, I'm going to vote for a Democrat or vice versa. And the thing is, is that you're trying to, to swing the pendulum. But what ends up happening, though, is that you have a new party that's in power and they're trying to get as much done before the, the other party ends up coming into power and then screwing them over. So it's like this back and forth, this ping pong game of one majority party screwing over the other for a period of years. Right. And then the party that's out of power keeps saying that look at what they're doing to you look what they're doing to you and then the pendulum swings again and it's like the same thing keeps on happening and i get the feeling when it comes to the presidency anymore even with trump i mean draining the swamp like we talked about he's not doing it but it's six trillion dollars added six trillion dollars to our deficit you know the appropriations bills and everything that comes his way where he has the power to spend money for various agencies it's not like he's calling this stuff back so he's a part of the the problem he's not doing what he said he was going to do and i get the feeling that you know back in the day when uh we were kind of up and coming and everything you get the feeling that presidents were holding a football and now i get the feeling that the presidents are holding a football made out of glass yeah. Like like they're like things are working well enough to where we're not in catastrophe mode. But they're so worried about cracking that football or tripping on their own feet by doing anything that looks like action or change or reformation. And they just want to get through it so that they can pass off that glass football to the next president. And yeah. I think eventually That's, over time that'll that cause things to crumble. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it, but I think you're right. I mean, you know, we don't take big risks as a nation anymore like we used to. There's no, um, you know, <clears throat> really wild new attempt to build a Hoover Dam or an Empire State Building or interstates, you know, across the United States. Like, and if we were to do something like that today, what would that be? It would be like, you know, a bullet train. Uh, a sixty-eight, well. a sixty-eight billion-dollar bullet train. Yeah, like, like, like we're using existing technology. We're not leading in that area. Like Elon Musk was like, "I'll build you one. I'll build you a hyperloop, same distance, and for, I'll do it for five for five billion. They're like, but we have big companies that already do this stuff. We'll just order this shit from yeah. France or Europe or whatever. It's just like 
you know, and they put up those tiers. They engage in an eminent domain in uh, the Inland Empire and everything, in Bakersfield, Fresno, those type of areas. And they have these big pylons up in the air, and it's never going to go anywhere. $68 billion. Oh, no. And how long ago was this started? 10 years ago? Something like that, yeah. And they, they only got, they I think they only got like half of the funds. And they're assuming that the funds are going to come from somewhere else. Yeah. Like, and that's why I get what you're saying, where it's like, we have these ideas and they sound great, but what about the implementation? Like, why doesn't it ever happen? Yeah. And why do we need a bullet train? What was it well, supposed but, to go from Southern California to Sacramento? Who the fuck goes yeah, from Sacramento? Like, somewhere from LA to uh, Las Vegas to get used like fucking crazy. You know, I heard uh, at some point that China was uh, had a proposal to do that in place, that they had already, like, bought something like that. What? Uh, a tunnel from uh, uh, from Los Angeles to Vegas. Oh, I, I have no idea. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're spending a lot of money on foreign infrastructure and everything, yeah. especially in the continent of Africa. Yeah. Uh, and it seems to be working really well for them. But I mean, with us and everything, it's just like we're just afraid to lead. And the thing is, is that this country was founded on a bunch of radicals. Like the founding fathers were a bunch of radicals. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, and I it know, led to I was great gonna, things. I was going to quote the uh, Second Amendment earlier just because um, you had brought it up. And the Second Amendment specifically states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yeah, a in that well first sentence. regulated militia. Well, well-regulated militia, Scalia interpreted that as a mere precatory phrase. So everything that follows that is not modified by that first sentence. And I see liberals doing this all the time, like on Twitter, which is why like, I just, I, I don't look at comments anymore. Even with like constitutional conservatives, like it's an oxymoron because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. It's a precatory phrase. At least that's the way they interpreted it, which means it's constitutional precedent. It's been laid down by the Supreme Court. So it doesn't modify the right of the citizens to bear arms in self-defense. But, but what I want to get at is Think about how crazy that statement is. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst, like one of the worst worded statements I, in the I don't entire even Constitution. Care about that, though, but like, but think about think about the idea of this. Okay, it is seventeen seventy five, and you're writing the rough draft of this because you're about to win the war. No, it's sometime in seventeen seventy six, and you go, okay. Number one, nobody shall make any laws respecting religion or prohibiting the exercise thereof, free speech, press, the right to peacefully assemble, blah, 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 yeah. petition the government for redress of grievances. Okay. Um, <clears throat> number two, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Like, in their head, they're just like, people have to have guns. Well, they, they wanted, they just wanted freedom. I mean, if you think about the way that the, I mean, we were but just a, no, a they collection didn't want of, to. It was necessary, Paul. It is necessary to the security yes. of the free state. And you look at it and you go, 
where the fuck did that go? Because well, they we, didn't want to unite. They didn't want to unite into a, a nation. They were afraid that if we oh, united yeah. as a nation, that we would just become another England. Which is so exactly the reason what's why happening. Though, well, isn't the, it? It, well, exactly. That'll be a good lead-in. But th- that was the reason back then. Like James Madison, in writing like the Federalist Papers and all that kind of stuff, like he had to work his ass off to get the the collection of loose states and territories to unite together because he was afraid that if they stayed you know, independent and they didn't unite and have a federal government that we would be vulnerable to Spain, Britain, and the French. And we would end up being taken over again once we got comfortable. Yeah. So he wanted to unite everyone, but he was also fearful of what they were fearful of in terms of having a monarchy or having what they did fear was a two-party system. I could bring it up right here. This is the, the book that I was reading. It's, uh, called the breaking the two-party doom loop and i think the author's name is lee drutman Uh but uh james madison the father of the constitution i'll just read straight uh from the book here it says madison's great cause had been religious liberty he would often cite voltaire's observation if one religion only were allowed in England, the government would possibly be arbitrary. If there were but two, the people would cut each other's throats. But as there are such a multitude, all they all live happy and in peace. And that was Voltaire. He would quote Voltaire, you know, quite a bit and basically saying that uh, he would use that to say that we we can't have a dominant religion. He wanted freedom of religion, not freedom of Christians to dominate the entire sphere of religion, but to have freedom of individual religion and to, and he applied that to politics as well. And he didn't want a two party system. He said, you know, Madison applied Voltaire's insight to politics. The key to preventing political tyranny was the same enough diversity. So no group could think of itself anywhere close to a majority capable of dominating everyone else. As a result, no one group need fear domination from any other group. One faction could oppress two factions would fight for the power to who got to oppress whom, which is what we're doing right now. But in one big nation, every uh, faction would be a minority. None would have any illusions of domination tyranny averted. And then it goes on and it says with James Madison, George Washington, it says in George Washington's farewell address, he warned of, and I quote, the alternate domination of one faction over another sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most horrid enormities. And then John Adams, Washington's successor, worried that, and I quote, a division of the Republican into two great parties is to be is uh, to be dreaded as the great political evil. Hmm. So, I mean, these are the founding fathers like they, they didn't want a, uh, a religion like like what occurred under monarchies where right. the monarchy would say this is the religion of the land. You're going to like it and you're going to deal with it. But he wanted individual much, freedom. Well, maybe not just as much, but like just like they're quoting and talking about and fearful of the idea of what comes from a two party system and what is coming from that is um, essentially people being pitted against each other. What, what did it say specifically again? Sharpened by. Oh, sorry. I just moved on to the like a hundred 
pages. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to go gone. back to that. Well, here, I have, but, I have other questions. So what's the guy's name that they that James Madison keeps quoting? Volpera? No, no, Voltaire. Voltaire. You know, you know Voltaire. No, I don't. Oh, the uh, philosopher? I know you've heard of Voltaire. No. B-O-L. Uh, T-A-I-R-E. Oh, V-O-L. T. Yeah. V as in Victor. Yes. Okay. And he looks like a French philosopher from November uh, 1694, and he passed away, it looks like, just a few years after America was formed in 1778. Um, yeah. He wanted individuals to be free, and obviously the way in which we're talking about this, a lot of people, especially in modern-day America, will be like, that was ridiculous. You know, they said all men have the right to be, to be free, and yet we know that wasn't true. It was all aspirational. And even if some of them, you know, back then had the idea that the things that they were doing were wrong now, they wanted to create a nation that had the opportunity to reform itself, to aspire to the nation that we should become, meaning right. a nation of individuals that are truly free. Right. If you want to practice your own religion, great. Just don't legislate it and shove it down everyone else's throats. Yeah. If you want to be a communist, great. You have to go in through the legislative process like everyone else, and you have to be able to communicate those ideas, and then you have to be able to convince others and then implement it correctly. That's why I don't fear any of these, you know, like when I hear communism and socialism, I used to be so fearful. Like I just think Hitler. And now I'm just like, obviously these people, you know, aren't Hitler. It's just like uh, leftists that uh, hear that someone's going to vote for Trump and they're just like, oh, well, you must be uh, a racist. It's for Jim Crow laws. And it's like, that's it. Like that's the way that we see yeah. opponents in America. We just see the worst aspect aspects of one another, yeah. and we don't look at the substance of their views. And I love talking to people that have weird or out there views, especially if they're like a communist or something. Like I don't agree with communism. It, it's so corruptible. Right. Like the democratic process is just the least corruptible system. Right. It doesn't it doesn't mean that it's perfect. It just means that it's more perfect. And so it's up to them to try and convince the rest of us as to why socialism or communism is the right way to go. So uh, let's shift gears uh, a little bit um, and talk about ranked choice voting. Um, yes. Because, you know, we talked a little bit about this two-party system and some of the early warnings, um, you know, to try and... Um, veer us off the track of falling into the two-party system and some of the uh, issues that come along with it sound like exactly the things that we're facing right now. Yeah. Um, do you mind explaining the ranked choice voting system again? Yeah, and it's actually already implemented in Maine. There's uh, there's cities that do it now, Santa Fe. When you say it's uh, implemented in Maine, do you mean statewide? 
Yes. Okay. In their federal in their federal elections and in their, their elections federal elections even and their ele- their so elections go a lot differently than they go in other states. So this isn't a federal law we would need to pass. This would be a this wouldn't state need constitutional law. amendment. Yes, because the states are in charge of uh, Congress can if they wanted to step in, but it's left to the to the the states to decide how, how they, they want to vote. It. Yeah, so that's why this is such an interesting idea because it doesn't require a constitutional amendment, which would be impossible right now. It's like I said with, you know, trying to undo or amend the Second Amendment. Like we just we're too divided as a nation to get anything done like that. It just wouldn't happen. So, Um, so Maine's already doing it. What are they doing? Um. Well, I'll, I'll go into ranked choice voting itself, and I'll read straight. I think it gets lost on a lot of people. There's a bunch of videos that are out there that kind of explain it, and it can make more sense in that way. But I'll read directly from this because I think it's short and concise, and I think it's pretty easy to follow. Um, but it says, as the name suggests, ranked choice voting lets voters rank their choices. Voters mark their first choice candidate first their second choice candidate second, then their third choice candidate third, and so on. Easy as one, two, three. The votes are then tallied as follows. If one candidate has an outright majority of first place votes, that candidate wins. So I'll just stop right there. We have a plurality system where it's not a majority. So the person isn't getting over 50% of the votes. They just have more votes than all the rest of the candidates. So like someone like Trump, he didn't win a majority of the Republican nomination or the majority of the Republican votes. He just had more than all of the other candidates that were winning or that that ran. So he didn't have a majority. This would require a candidate achieving a majority and this is how it would be done so basically the first candidate if they have an outright majority they win but if no candidate has a majority in the first count the second choice preferences come into play the candidate with the fewest first choice votes is eliminated and the voters who had ranked that candidate first have their votes transferred to the candidate they rank second this continues until a single candidate garners a majority. Can we stop with, right there? Um, yeah. So I can make sure I understand it. Okay. So let's say um, <clears throat> I want to create a really nice visual representation of this for people. Um, so let's say that we are going to vote on, I don't know, let's take something as stupid as pizza. Okay. And um, we're going to vote for what type of pizza we want. And we have cheese pizza, we have pepperoni, we have anchovy, anchovy, just those three, and veg, oh, just those three, no, just to make it simple, just have those three. Okay, so so it's, it's what cheese, pepperoni, and anchovy, correct? Yes. Okay, so if there is an outright majority for pepperoni, we go with that. But if the, meaning more than fifty percent of the votes are yes. rank. Pepperoni as number one. In the first so count, what, yeah. That's what we go with because that makes sense. The majority rules and this is what the majority wants. However, if that is not the case, then we go uh, to whoever has the least votes for number one and we cross them out. So um, That'd be anchovy. So it'd probably be the anchovy. Right. So right? nobody voted for anchovy as number one, but a lot of people voted for it as number two and a lot of people voted for it uh, for number three. So because it only has like 
out of a hundred people, it's got two number one votes. Only two people really, really, really want anchovies, but no one else fucking wants anchovies. So that is like the last person that is getting chosen first. So that person's eliminated. Okay. Yes. And then all their votes go to what they voted for second, which is yeah. either then cheese or pepperoni, uh-huh. which would then push one of those to the majority, hopefully. Correct? Yes. And the, and the interesting thing about that, it's funny that we did pizza because I was thinking we'd do like, you know, the big election, what was it, 97 with between uh-huh. Clinton, Ross Perot and Bush. Uh-huh. But I, I will do the, the pizza thing. The thing is, is that a lot of people would not vote for anchovies, even though that might be their first choice because they're thinking, I'm just going to be throwing away my vote. Right. So I'm not going to vote. So they may decide that they would want to, but with the ranked choice voting, their vote does get counted. So even if they don't get a majority, they're not getting anchovies, but their second choice vote will be counted. So it incentivizes people to truly vote their conscience and go with what they actually want. Right. So if they truly want anchovies, they can do it. If they truly want to vote for Joe Jorgensen, they can do it. And it would give Joe Jorgensen an easier time potentially winning. Oh, absolutely. And if she and if and the thing is, is that no one's gonna be like, Well, you know what? You're throwing your vote away and because you're doing that, that's a vote for Trump or that's a vote for Biden. Because it's not if true. Neither one gets the majority. If Biden and Trump so I could go in because let's look I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do, man. Uh, I really don't. Um I don't like either of the two major party options, and I do enjoy what I see from Joe so far, but a big part of that is because she's a psychologist and so am I, and I like the way she talks, and the things she says resonate with me, and I go, she's smart because I think psychologists are smart because I think I'm smart. Um, And, uh, you know, so I've got all my own biases in with this, but let's say here's what I would do ranked choice voting. I would vote for her, obviously, uh, and then I would vote for Biden, and then I would vote for Trump, I guess, or I would not vote for Trump. I'd vote for, I don't know, a Greenpeace party, probably yeah. even before Biden. Anyway, so I do all this, and let's say neither one get the majority. Then they go to me and say, well, Joe got the least amount of votes, but then next he voted for Biden. Uh, so therefore all those votes go to Biden and, or all those votes just go to whoever say it was Trump. Like my vote could go to Trump either. Just all those votes for whoever voted go to the next person up. They receive it until it pushes them over a majority. And it might take three or four people getting knocked out to do that. Yeah. You Um, could have six candidates and you know, the bottom, uh, the bottom four candidates have to get wiped out before we end up majority, a majority. But, but I think it'd be interesting actually with the Joe Jorgensen, because there's even a fracture within the Republican party as it pertains to Trump. So let's say a lot of, uh, first time Trumpers that voted in 2016 for Trump were like, you know what I'm, because we're in a ranked choice, I'm going for, uh, Joe Jorgensen first. And let's say that Trump gets the least amount of votes, but guaranteed that the people that vote for Trump would probably put Joe Jorgensen as, as number two. As opposed to Harris. Yeah. Or as, as opposed to Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Joe Biden's running, not her. <laughs> and yeah, well, a lot of people are assuming that, know. you know. But the thing is, is, is that then that gives 
Joe Jorgensen the opportunity to win over Joe Biden. Oh yeah. And that would that would I think this system would make a ton of sense. Yeah. And no one would be wasting their vote. You know what they would could be vote weird though. Here here's a weird thing that might happen is Joe might not get anyone's first vote but everyone's second vote. Um and so I could see something like this happening yes. is that uh Yes. There's this weird thing where Joe gets the least amount of votes for the first choice, um, but the most amount for the second choice. In other words, most people like we could actually unify and satisfy the country with her because like so many people hate Trump and so many people hate Biden that if you put it, her in, it's everybody's second choice. Right. Literally, yeah. I, th I imagine that's what it would be. She would be everybody's first and second choice. She would be nobody's third choice. Literally, there would be nobody in ranked choice voting who goes Trump then Biden then Joe Jorgensen yeah. <laughs> or Biden yeah. then Trump then Jorgensen they the sides hate each other so much that she literally would be everybody's first uh, second choice if it wasn't yeah. the first yeah um, and that's why we wouldn't be as polarized though I mean that's that's the brilliance of the whole entire thing like Joe Jorgensen has kind of left-leaning sort of liberal libertarian views and then also appeals to fiscal conservatism she's kind of like a middle of the road sort right. of moderate yeah. with yeah, you yeah. know ideas to reform and make things work and the thing is is that Who like you said just a normal person and not a lifelong politician yeah campaigning for money and who already has all these promises and backs to scratch and shit like that. Exactly. And the thing is, like you're saying, like Joe Biden could end up being everyone's second choice vote, and that's what the politicians would be fighting for. They couldn't do a Trump campaign where they're isolating a lot of the Republican base. Now I think he's got more of the base together. But when he was running, he didn't have a majority of the Republicans that were for him. He just had the most votes, but it still wasn't a majority of the votes. If it was a ranked choice system, Trump would be forced to expand his base so that he could be the number two pick on other people's ballots. Yeah. Like, hey, if you're not voting for me first, at least pick me second. So it would it would it would lessen the polarization of the nation because this is what's happening in Maine, too. The politicians, even though they're running against one another, they would have to try and appeal to the opponent's base so that yeah. they would be picked number two in the event that they needed those number two votes. Yeah. The polarization of this country would just plummet and we'd be better for it. And like he's saying in this book, he thinks that around between you know, four and five parties would be good because otherwise we're, we're in Voltaire's world right now where you have two religions and each side is trying to slit each other's throats. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Nobody right. looks at, if you're a Republican and you're looking at a Democrat, you're not looking at them as any sort of person who has nuanced, moderate ideas. You're just like, oh, you like Black Lives Matter. You're a socialist and you're a communist. Look at the organization, you dummy. And if you're a Democrat and you're like, oh, you're voting for Trump, you automatically see the Trumper as someone who is this 
regressive racist who wants to just maintain the status quo that existed 60 years ago. Right. So we see the opponents as the enemy, as, as someone to fight against. But what we're forgetting about is that we're all Americans. And if, you know, like we said last time, being on the Titanic, both sides are seeing the iceberg. We're spending tons of money. We're not getting shit done. The iceberg's in front of us. The boat's still sailing, though. It's sound. But each side is equally tugging on the wheel with equal force. Oh, yeah. So we're not turning and we're going to hit the iceberg eventually. But if we had more than two parties and we had, let's say, four parties, no one party would have a majority and we would have to work together. And who knows, maybe it means that we wouldn't get as much done, but when we do get something done, it'll be impactful because it'll, it will require compromise that is a result of sound debate. And that is what this nation is founded on. And Australia has been doing ranked choice voting since 1918. And they're less polarized than we are. Even though they've become more polarized, they've still maintained kind of a moderate sort of stature. Yeah. And another <laughs> thing, too, what he was saying in this is that it, it would be nice to actually widen the district. So he gives the example of North Carolina having 16 districts. He's saying basically widen the districts instead of having 16 where each district has their own candidate, one candidate, widen the district and let's say have five candidates per district, the majority threshold in order to win would be 17% per each candidate because there's five candidates that will be elected. And that way you would ensure that you would have a diverse you know, uh, cross-section right. of the state of North Carolina. You would have an evangelical right leaning Christian party and not a right leaning Trump party, you know, where he right. acts like a Christian. I mean, someone who is truly a biblical Christian and, and they can represents have, their yes, majority yes. views because people yes. aren't afraid to vote. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then that person will have to work in conjunction I mean, with, let's say, an AOC party who also makes it. They would have to work together to somehow make shit work. Right. And they would have to cross appeal to each other's base in order to maintain uh, so, look, their membership. There's only one problem I can poke a hole in. And if How we go back you? to the three choices, um, the issue is, what if uh, Trump let's say there's 10 votes total, right? 10 people vote for Trump. Uh, I'm sorry, four people vote for Trump as their number one choice, four for Biden and two for Joe, okay, Jorgensen. Um, because Joe was picked the least as number one, all her votes go to the second person. Even though everybody's picked her as number two, she seems to be the most agreeable person in this scenario, the one that everyone can sort of agree on before the person that they absolutely but despise they would, or hate. And they now, would vote for her first then. If what you're saying is true, they would vote for her first and not go for Biden or no, Trump what if, because their vote isn't wasted. What if, no, what if people are split and it's, uh, it's um, you know, a majority of Democrats really like Biden and a majority really like Trump. Uh -huh. But they also, the people who like Trump really fucking hate Biden, just like, like we have now, and the people who like Biden really fucking hate Trump. So they don't vote for Joe first, but they all vote for her second. 
Okay. But there are a few people who vote for Joe first, but she gets the least. All the Joe votes, then all the people who voted for Joe as number one, their votes go to that second person because she's been eliminated now because she got picked least as number one. It almost seems like what they should do instead is whoever's the most hated, not picked most as number one, but picked most as the last votes should sort of be eliminated, right? So because Trump is hated so much and because Biden is hated so much, they get eliminated, not because they didn't get picked first enough, but because they, because they got picked last so much. In other words, just flip it around a little bit. Now, look, maybe this just plays in my favor in this one example. It's just a thing that, that could be played with that might be an issue with it. I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough. I just found like this weird little loophole where like, although Joe seems to be the nice middle ground that everybody can sort of agree on and picks definitely as their, their second choice most generally, Trump or Biden still end up winning. Now, look, and here's- But I think, I think your assumptions are, are flawed though. I, like I said- well, Yeah, I mean, I, I, mathematically it works out that she could still lose. I think my assumptions are flawed in the sense that, A, we should have more candidates. B, m like more people- would be likely to go with her um, and pick her or some other third party uh, and see that seems to be like such a small probability of us even landing in that realm that even if we go with ranked choice voting, it's still the chances that that happens once every 20 elections is worth it to switch over because what we have now fucking sucks. Yeah, it, it's never going to be perfect. Like I said, it's just, you know, more perfect. It's just a better yeah. way. Yeah, and look, I'm, I'm just trying to not immediately agree with it. I'm trying to critique it yeah. a little bit. No, and, I, think that, I think that's good. And, and, like, look for some holes. I mean, I have my own immediate arguments. I'm just looking for ways in which, like, I was really thinking about the pepperoni thing, right? The cheese and, and pepperoni and anchovy. Like, this happens, and I should start doing a ranked choice voting and see how it goes. Um, but... Uh, we, we let's say we vote on pizza, and you have four people vote for pepperoni, four vote for anchovy, and two vote for cheese. And so we go, okay, um, well, cheese, we're definitely not getting cheese. Cheese was not picked first by anybody at all. It was picked first by two people. But everybody picked it as second, is what I'm saying. Because the people who love pepperoni really love pepperoni, and the people who love anchovies really love it. So what I'm what I'm saying is, is that, Everybody could agree on cheese, but they just wanted pepperoni or anchovies a little more. A few people really wanted cheese, but but like it's so agreeable uh, that it got picked as uh, second most often and it got picked first least often. Therefore, it's kicked out. And now we're either going to end up with pepperoni or anchovy. I'm saying there's still a very small possibility. You're saying th there's a flaw in my assumption. I don't know. Specifically. Well, I'm trying to follow. I'm try honestly just trying to follow the logic. You said that four go to cheese, four go to pepperoni. No, four go to anchovies. Oh, four, four go, go to, to pepperoni. Oh, okay, I see. Two votes. This is the number one vote. But two right? just goes, so it gets eliminated. Two goes to cheese. So cheese is eliminated, even though everybody picked cheese as second. As second. I, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. And, and the people who picked cheese first, they voted for pepperoni second. So we end up with pepperoni winning. Yeah. But the anchovy people fucking hate pepperoni. They picked it as going last. What I'm saying is there's one situation in which ranked voting ends up putting us in a situation where it's we sort of lose. But again, I'm saying that would happen probably so rarely 
Actually, it might not with that specific situation because cheese is probably the most agreeable flavor, but most people, I, I'm only saying this from experience because in my job, I, I teach this course uh, twice a month. And every time we teach the course on the last day, we buy pizza. So 24 times a year, we buy pizza at our company. And I've done this for four years. So a hundred times I've had people, no, probably less than that because we didn't start doing it to two years ago. So 50 times we've had to vote on pizza. And there are so many times where people like, what I do is this, I say, give me your, your favorite topping and your least favorite. Uh, and then I'm going to pair you with other people who like pizzas because we'll buy like three or four of them. And then everyone sort of gets their own pizza with their favorite toppings if we can match it. And a lot of times, you know, people in the, in the middle, they're like, well, this is my favorite, but this is my least favorite. And then I pair them with certain things. They're like, I'm like, all right, pepperoni and olive. And they're like, they're like, I don't fucking like olive either, man. Just, just throw me on the cheese. Like I'm, I'm totally cool with cheese. It's like, they don't want it, but it's so neutral. Like they didn't pick it at first, but they'd be way happier with cheese than what they want. And something shitty on top, even though that still wasn't even their least favorite. So Again, the whole point of this, I know I'm explaining a lot about something really fucking stupid. I'm just saying, even with ranked choice, we can end up with kind of what we don't want. However, I still want to preface this and go back and say that even if that were the case, okay, that it probably would be an issue so much seldomly like that this would still be at least a step in the right direction. But the thing is, is that I think in the future what would happen, though, is that like, let's say it does result in that where... Uh, you know, we end up getting stuck with like anchovies or pepperoni, even though cheese is like the more moderate position. The, you know, maybe the next election so- cycle they'll end up going for for cheese. And totally. they've done a bunch of and they've done a bunch of studies on this stuff where the the countries that implement this, including like Ireland and Australia, uh, they tend to be more moderate and people have more of a voice within their own government. They can have parties that truly represent themselves. You're saying in general, once they begin voting like this, like it's, you don't end up with the situation that we're in now is what you're saying essentially, correct? Yeah, and I think, it, well, no one's going to ever vote for a third-party candidate because they're not like you. They're, like like with right. me, I won't vote for a third-party candidate unless like another Ross Perot came around that would have a serious chance because otherwise it is like kind of like you're throwing your vote away. But then it's like, like I also agree with what George Carlin said. He's like, he, George Carlin didn't vote. And he's like, well, you know, people would tell him, like, you can't complain because you didn't vote. And he's like, no, I'm the only one that can complain because you guys are the fucking idiots that keep voting these people in. I'm the only one that gets to complain. And you're the type of person that's saying, I'm voting for the third party candidate because I think that they're going to be the most effective. You assholes keep voting in these other people. And we just have this back and forth where everyone's trying to slit each other's throats. And I'm the one that's actually looking out for America by choosing a third party. But then then they'll look at you and say the third party candidate doesn't have a chance. So you're voting for Trump or you're voting for Biden, depending on who the third party candidate is. So it's like this crazy game. But if you had a ranked choice voting system, you could, you know, vote your conscience like I'd be willing to vote your conscience. I'd be willing to bet that you might even get more people voting if you did ranked choice. 
They see that in other countries. That's like, actually yeah. true. So I, I feel like I have a bunch of friends who are like, I don't fucking vote. Like, I'm not going to vote for, you know, a giant douche and a turd yeah. or a yeah. giant turd and a douche, whatever the, the South Park saying is. And it's smart. And, I, I don't blame them for doing that. Yeah. And, and, and then they don't get tied up and they don't waste their energy and their emotions on all of this stuff. But I could also see them, if it were ranked choice, being like, Oh, well, there is this one guy, Vermin Supreme, that I really, really like. So, you know what? I would go. <laughs> With a giant boot on his head. I forgot about Vermin Supreme. <laughs> Sprinkling that that fairy dust on, yeah. <laughs> on his, that guy that was, oh, dential, my God. Uh, dentures uh, for all or tooth. Uh, whatever, yeah. tooth decay for all or whatever the fuck it was. Oh my god, I love people like that because they, they see the ridiculousness of our system and they exploit it by just oh, being man. funny and, yeah, some and of his, comical. Some of his speeches were so great on it. Um, well, it's like Borat. Like He does such a genius job Like in the movie Borat. That's what was so interesting is that not only does he, not only does he do, like, play a funny guy but he fucked with the people on the left and the right like he would go into yeah. uh you know that like that that stadium where they were having a rodeo it's a bunch of conservatives and patriots and he's like we're gonna drink the blood of the men women and child of all of these muslim countries or whatever he said and everyone starts cheering and you know the people on the left would be like oh see they're they're just a bunch of backward hicks and yet he would go into a feminist group and he would say well does it bother you that women have a smaller brain than men and they got so pissed off and they couldn't even stay in the room eventually they had to leave yeah. but the, but what what's so genius about it though is that these women have this caricature this these liberals the caricature of what a middle eastern person is like so they're actually assuming that this guy is for real because he has to be yeah that's what i know of middle eastern countries so it, it's funny how he exploits the the biases and what did he do uh, prejudice. recently? Oh, he went to uh, I think it was in Portland. He went to a concert and uh, yeah, he was uh, he got on stage and was singing a song and what, what did he say? Uh, God, I can't even remember the the chorus, but it was freaking it was just hilarious, you yeah. know. And I, the, a lot of people bashed the people in the crowd because they were singing this horrible stuff and singing along. And but you could tell the people in the audience could tell it was a goof. They didn't know it was Sasha Baron Cohen, but you yeah, could, they were they weren't like saying like, oh, let's let's slit their throats like the Saudis do. I think that was one of the the chorus lines is like, uh, you know, what are you going to do with Hillary? And they're like, do you want to slit her throat like the Saudis do? Or do you want to? And they're like, slit the throat like the Saudis do. And he's yeah. like, okay. And he starts like singing, slit the throat of the Saudis do. And yeah. does this whole song. just like that, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and that's why I try to be as balanced as I can and look at the crowd and the intent. And I think a lot of them, you know, if it came down to it, like, do you really want to take a sword and chop off someone's you know head or whatever like obviously i would say no right. but we live in a time where we just are surrounded by extreme rhetoric and we think that if we're saying things that are extreme within our own group that that is somehow okay because we're on the right side of history we're just looking at the opponents as caricatures right. without understanding that we're all americans and we're sharing the soil and 
social media is playing a huge role, but also the way in which we vote for these individuals. And we keep, like I said, voting people into office that are carrying this fragile football. I mean, even Obama, you know, I didn't vote for him, but uh, after all was said and done, I wish he would have stuck up for whistleblowers and, you know, dialed down the wars, the foreign wars, and not had done, I wish he didn't do as many drone strikes and stuff that he did. You know, he made a lot of promises, but it's like these presidents get in there, and I don't know if they have a briefing or what, but it just seems like whatever they say in campaign mode goes out of the door. It's like with uh, Biden, everyone's worried there's going to be some socialist revolution. I mean, look, look Nothing at the ever happens. patterns, though. Like, you know, the behavior pattern of getting there, and this is just an assumption. I don't fucking know. I'm not a politician. I don't know any politicians. But it seems like... The way that you get there, depicted in movies and things like that, is you wheel and deal, right? You want something and you try to get it done, but you can't quite get it done, so you make a sacrifice by doing a favor for somebody else. And if that's what you've done for the last 30 years, is wheel and deal, what do you think they're going to do when they get into office? Like, it should literally be no surprise that somebody who comes from the House or the Senate or a businessman like Trump makes deals and sacrifices some of the things that he promised because that's what he does for a living. He well, makes you, you, they, deals. They sell. You you sell in order to yeah. get under office to get an office, and then you end up under delivering, and then you blame it on everyone else. Yeah. And, well, and I get what you're saying. It's it's a series of compromises. It's just like uh, Obama. You know, in the past. Uh, he wasn't for gay marriage, at right. least I believe. And same with, same with Hillary, too. Right. And they may have believed in gay marriage personally, but they knew that they were never going to get elected if yeah. that was their platform. And the, the, it's very rare to have a politician where you truly know who they are. And I think Bernie Sanders is probably the closest one. Like, he's been saying the same shit for <laughs> his whole entire career. Yeah, I remember like, watching his whole entire career. In, like, these... 80s and it, it was uh, like Bernie Sanders thing. interviewing some punk kids at the mall um, and it, it's like he had like an NPR show where he'd like talk politics and he's like oh hey there youngsters uh, well, I, I like this dress you got on what is it and they're like it's called punk rock and he's like and what does it stand for it's like uh we don't, we don't like oppression and authority telling us what to do. And he's like, hey, me neither, kids. You know, uh, I think that this government can be too intrusive and blah, blah, blah. And like, this is him in 1980. And it's like, yeah, exactly. He's the same the, guy. Yeah. And you know like, what you're getting. You know <laughs> what you're getting. And these punk rockers are like, well, we just want equality. And like, we, we think it's not awesome. So this is a bit of a, a, a statement about, you know, how People want to treat us different, but we're really all the same. They're just kids. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But Bernie's just like right there with him. He's like, hey, you know, good for you, kids. Going out there, standing up what you believe in. I I agree. Equality. Like, yeah, he's exactly the same. And it's, I mean, honestly, it's pretty endearing when you watch like Bernie Sanders talking to these 16-year-old yeah. punk rock children 30 yeah. or 40 years ago. It was probably 30 years ago. And you have to give it to him for that because most politicians... They evolve with the times. They change with the times. So society changes, and it's like, okay, well, I need to change so that I can maintain my status as a politician. Bernie has never been a popular figure. It's like Bernie was ahead of, you know, the American mindset, and it's like the American mindset caught up to Bernie. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Like, he was ahead of his time, and then society caught up to Bernie. 
where usually politicians I, are trying I to agree. catch yeah, up to, no, so, I, to I, society. I exactly what you're saying, yeah. And, yeah. and we can talk about like how, like with Bernie Sanders, I think most of the stuff that he says is a pipe dream. I mean, in terms of like the policies he wants to enact and all of that kind of stuff, like they asked him millions of times, like, how are you going to get this done? And yeah. he's like, well, we need a coalition. We need a coalition of people and they're going to get together and I need millions of people. Yeah, and they're can gonna I just say the, your Bernie Sanders me. impression is way better than mine? Is it? Uh, absolutely. Well, it's because we actually went to his rally. And even at the rally, you and I were for what he was saying. Like, there's, you know, 30 or 35,000 people. It was so impacted that we couldn't even get into the stadium. They had a big screen. Yeah. And you just hear, hear him inside with uh, Sarah, uh, Silverman. Sarah, Sarah Silverman. He's like, we need equal pay for women. And uh, we need uh, uh, job security. We need to end racism. And we need to... And I'm, we're all like, yeah, and everyone's cheering and everything. And you and I are like looking at each other like, well, how? Yeah. How? Well, and yeah. Like, I, I know. love the philosophy, but how? Like, we're going to eliminate student debt? One of the things I feel like we really are lacking as a society right now, and this is away from ranked choice voting, but is like, we don't, we need sort of like a philosophical revolution or something. And I, I don't mean a revolution in the sense that we need to change the way we're thinking or get back to philosophy. I just mean in the sense that like we don't have anybody who's a philosopher standing up and speaking and saying something like Voltaire is saying, you know, that uh, this is the result of that. Like we need someone to get up and just preach philosophy, unbiased, pure unadulterated I don't even know what that means when I say that but common Philosophy. sense yeah it but it has to be common sense like 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 when he says that we need to eliminate student debt well okay like it sucks that you know like with me being in debt I'm sure you are being yeah, in debt that's as not much philosophy. as we are like that's just like uh here's an idea do you agree with me like philosophy in in my head is like statements that uh are are true statements about life because of their logical implications of them, right? You, you yeah. say, well, uh, when you have a two-party system, what ends up happening is p people get pitted against each other because they can only start selecting for the lesser of two evils um, at a certain point. It might start but out all good and well. And then so as somebody explains that and has a platform to explain that and really talk about those things. Yeah. P I, like what I'm saying is nobody's doing that for everybody to, to look up to and go, oh, yeah, I get that. If they are doing it, it is with an extremely liberal agenda or an extremely conservative agenda. And therefore, it is not free of any of the biases and nobody bites from the other side who needs to be biting. And so, well, I, go ahead. I, well, I think that, that everyone is operating off of their own philosophy. And I think that's why we have the two-party system. Like the, you know, the right has their own philosophy. The left has their own philosophy. And I think having a philosophy, if you're even-handed, I think is a good thing. Like, like a Harold Washington. What do you mean by even-handed? I, I would say that you would need someone that is a procedurally minded philosopher, not someone that is uh, that is an idealist in terms of philosophy. Someone who pursues philosophy 
in a certain procedural way. It is impossible to be an expert in everything. So if we right. want a president that is going to be an expert in all areas and be a superhero when it comes to foreign policy, domestic policy, war, all you know, all of that kind of stuff into one person, we're doomed because we'll never get that person. What right. you want is someone that has a that doesn't have a a subscribed philosophy where they apply this lens to everything it has to be procedural meaning there are disparate ideas on both sides around a particular way of moving forward there's a bunch of different ways of doing it so you try and take in as much information as you can right. from from experts from the people themselves and then you try to poke holes in that being the philosopher like you're saying logically why doesn't this work or why would it work what would it look like and then from that point on you start asking questions based upon the information that you know that you don't have yet so you get a bunch of expert opinion and then you're like well, okay well this raises a bunch of questions so there's a lot of stuff that i don't know so i have more information now i have more questions which leads me to believe that i don't know everything i need to know right. so you keep going down that path refining your ideology logically so that you can hopefully find a solution that will be the best for everyone and work equally for everyone and i think if you come from a a static point of view as a Republican or a Democrat, I think you have to walk with a blinder. And even libertarians, they drive me nuts too, because it's like, well, that's not what a libertarian would do. It's like, I don't give a shit what a libertarian right. would do. What is right for this situation? Right. So I think procedurally, like, you have to be open. with the ideology of whatever this is. Because, yeah, and, I mean, and looking to fulfill that philosophy. Right. Look for ways in which you might be wrong. Right. Because we're all wrong all the time. Right. Like, I'm wrong all the time. Even though I talk about the Constitution, like, all the time and how, you know, I know more than constitutional conservatives. It's a, it's a vast area of the law. It's impossible for me to be an expert. And someone, right. you know, down the street can know a lot more than I do. So instead of just being like, no, I'm right, being willing to take in counter information and then think through that in a logical, philosophical way so that you can better refine your views. So instead of having a blunt spear, you start taking in more perspective, more yeah. resistance that refines the tip. And then when you go to throw that thing, it's going to be aerodynamic and you're going to take down the target that you're intending. Well, you know, I think the whole thing with being okay with being wrong is a very cultural thing that is grained in a lot of people. And it's going to be something that isn't going to change overnight. I think that, uh, the, that, People are priding themselves too much on being correct, myself included, um, and that uh, that is probably a deep-rooted personality trait by now that I would say a majority of Americans probably possess, and that is something that will only culturally um, be eradicated if we teach our children uh, to be okay with being wrong, but to praise the process. Because we don't reward in our education system for children. We don't teach them that it's okay to be wrong and to correct themselves. It's either you're right and you got to did a good job on the test, or you're wrong and you failed and you need to figure something else different because there's one right answer and that's it. We don't go, hey, you know, 
you you didn't do this right, but I see that uh, on the test you used the right formula. You just missed something here. So uh, that's a really good job for trying. I'm going to have you try it again and go with that better grade. You know, I really yeah. think it's great when teachers allow students. You should be able to retake your test as many times as you need to. You should be able to rewrite that essay as many times as you want. If you're willing to put in the work, then yes. you could earn the grade. And let's reward the fact that you're okay with being wrong and that you're attempting to your, improve yourself, but we don't even give people the opportunity to improve themselves. You failed already and that's it. You're stuck with your failure. And so we yeah. have to, as a society, be correct and pride ourselves on being correct from the time that we're young. And you might argue with me and say, well, that's not true. I'm not like that and blah, blah, blah. I'm saying, but most people are. And most people sort of fell victim to that because there is no system for young children to get rewarded for correcting their behavior or for being wrong. It's just not okay. Well, when it comes to politics, though, we're comfortable being wrong because as long as we have company. If there's a big group of us, <laughs> yeah. literally, if there's a big group of us that believes the same way that we do, it's like you'll never look at yourself as being wrong because everyone else believes the same exact thing. And then if someone changes course and is like, you know what? I don't think this is right. I'm going to I'm going to vote my conscience. Like Mitt Romney catches a lot of shit because he's not toeing the line. Right. You have all these, you know, Republicans uh like Mitch McConnell, Marco Rubio, um Lindsey Graham. They all said that that Trump was going to be the end of this country as we know it. And they called him a racist, a bigot, terrible for this country. And the minute he got elected, they just like fall into line. It's like, "Oh, well, you know, I need to be comfortable." Right. And then there's people that are like, you know what? I don't want to be comfortable. Like, this is what I know to be right. So I'm not going to go along with this philosophy or this idea. And I think and this pertains to the left, too. It's just like people are wrong and they're OK being wrong as long as they're comforted by a large group that also believes the same thing as them. And what's so gratifying about realizing you're wrong is that it gives you the opportunity to be right. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're a flip-flopper. It just means you're taking in information as it's coming. Yeah. You gain perspective. It refines your point of view. You develop nuance. Yeah. And then you accordingly change your position. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a strong individual. I was wrong for most of my life. Everything was a political trope. I know, like but, but you, like, for everyone to be able to do the same thing and make this turn around or change their points of view like you is, I think, an unrealistic expectation. You know what I mean? I don't know, um, but I constantly analyze myself, and I don't know but, how I changed that over time. is a trait, is that constant analysis, that constant self-analysis. And again, that's not something a lot of people have. And if they Well, do, that's why we look not, for leaders. Yeah. It, We're a bunch of monkeys. We're literally a bunch of monkeys, and yeah. we always look for the alpha to tell us how to think and how to act and yeah. how, to, how to move and navigate through and life. if it's not it, a politician, it's a musician or it's an actor, um, you know, it's a... Yeah. Uh, YouTube celebrity or an Instagram influencer telling us what to wear, how to wear it. Um, and then they like get that. typecasted. Like even someone like Glenn Beck, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Glenn Beck, but I used to watch him on Fox News all the time. You come on after, or actually, no, sorry, I think before Bill O'Reilly. And he had kind of like a shift of consciousness at some point. And yeah. he lost a lot of people. Like he was called a traitor. And the problem is, is that once you get established in a certain philosophy and you're a leader within that philosophy, like a Bill O'Reilly or a Tucker Carlson, 
you can't be nuanced at that point. You cannot say like, you know what, I, I was wrong. Because well, if you admit that, your 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 followers will turn on you in a second and yeah. there goes your livelihood. And not only that, now you're viewed through a certain lens and you're going to behave accordingly. There's this idea in quantum mechanics that, um, and I'm not a quantum physicist at all, but the idea is that, um, you know, a particle such as an electron will... Uh, can possibly be in many places at once, but once it's observed, its behavior changes and then is only in one place. So there's a famous experiment. Uh, Schrodinger's cat? Yeah, the thought experiment is Schrodinger's cat, um, where it's like there's a box uh, with a cat in it, and you press a button, and the button gives a 50-50% chance that a um, tube of cyanide uh, it cracks a tube of cyanide with a hammer in there, and there's a cat in the box, and if the cyanide breaks, the cat will be dead. So we press the button, and what are the chances that the, or is the cat alive or dead? And in Schrodinger's experiment, thought experiment, it says, well, he's dead and alive at the same time. And you go, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense, okay? Um, but he says, well, until we actually observe, let's take the whole life out of it and put it, make it an electron. It's either at the top or the bottom. We say, until it's observed, it's actually acting as if it's in both places at once, okay? And so what I wanna say is that actually applies to human beings quite a bit because people act differently when they're being observed than when they're not being observed, okay? Yeah. Um, and not that we appear to be two places in once or we behave both ways, but what I'm saying is when we think no one's around, we pick our nose. And the moment we think people are watching us, we stop, okay? When nobody's around, we say things or do things. We uh, scratch our junk. We um, pick our teeth. We burp, we fart. But the moment we think people are watching us, we stop doing all those things. Now, when you're in the spotlight and people are watching you, and they are expecting you to behave a certain way or they have uh, typecasted you as being a certain way and that is agreeable and that's what you are going for, you almost embrace that idea even more so than you would have if you weren't in that position being observed as being that person. And let me give you a quick example in my own life. Um, you know, when I was young, I wanted some tattoos on my arms and the tattoos were like, I'm 35 now. I was like 16 at the time. And it's like what I thought was cool. I'm like, I'm going to get some flames uh, going up my arms and some nautical stars and hope on one side and unity on the other because of this band I listen to. Everybody's going to think I'm really cool. And I am so glad I didn't get those tattoos because if I did, people would have treated me a certain way and I would have seen myself a certain way and I would have continued down that path because it would have been challenging for me to break the whole persona that gets built up around it. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I go, who would I have been if I got those things? And I think a lot of people like to go, I'd be exactly the same. And I don't think I would be because I would have to behave as the person who has those tattoos. I would have to cover them up. People would treat me like a bro. I would probably be a lot more bro-ish than I am today. I don't even know if I would have the job that I have today if I would have like followed through with those ideologies. The whole point of this was to say that when people get in these situations where they take a leadership role, that this type of thing can take on a life of its own, 
Uh, I'm not saying that it always does. I'm just saying that it can, that that people then behave a certain way because they're being told to. And so, yeah, it's hard for somebody like Bill. They get typecasted. Yeah. And, and he behaves that way now because people expect him to and because he's being observed to. And so for someone like Bill O'Reilly to change, like, yeah, that's going to be extremely difficult. Well, um, he can't. He, he Like you said, in his personal life, maybe he would change or something or reflect on his philosophy and, you know, approach things maybe in a little bit of a more nuanced way. And that won't happen because his whole entire livelihood is riding on this particular philosophy. Right. And it's not like I don't think that he believes in what he believes in. I just don't think at that point he has the choice and it's so constantly right. reinforced. And the thing is, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, Metallica, back in the day, they all had long hair. Yeah. And like they were known for having the long hair. And then eventually they got to a point where they had wives and kids and they don't want the fucking long hair and all the bullshit that's attached to it. So they shaved their heads and their fan base went nuts like they were traitors. And it's like, dude, like we're just older now, man. <laughs> like, yeah. like, but people can't stand change or nuance. Like, like you're saying, they're looking at people in a particular light in a particular way, and it, it can't change because their lives and their way of thinking and philosophy is riding on that. And right. that's how I was back in the day when I'd watch Fox News. I was riding on their coattails in terms of thinking and how to approach life. And I was never asking myself why I believe that stuff. And when I would buy books, I would buy like conservative leaning books. I bought memoirs of, uh, by Clarence Thomas. I bought Bill O'Reilly's books and it was all to basically, I didn't know it, but I was just seeking to confirm my own beliefs, which doesn't allow me to counter people on the other side very effectively because I end up talking at people because I'm not understanding truly what they're saying. Right. So I, I become like a typecasted individual myself. And I don't think that in the long run that serves you very well. Right. I don't think it serves anyone very well, but it can, and it, it not can, it is very, very comforting when you believe that your philosophy, your religion, your political affiliation is the end all be all and you are right. It is so comforting because there are people that will come up. Yeah, brother, like you're you're so right. Even when I was in yeah. getting my undergrad and I was wearing the McCain Palin T-shirt, my conservative, the only conservative teacher I had came up and like he shook my hand in the middle of class. It's like he's like, you're a good American. And I was like, yeah, everyone <laughs> else in the class is liberal. But yeah, yeah, we know what's up. Yeah. We know what's going on. And very, it's funny very, that a teacher would do that. Well, yeah, but it's because, you know, these institutions are, are very liberal. I didn't change my ideology the entire time I was in college. And yeah. yet I was indoctrinated by Fox News to think that once I got there, it would be this socialist, communist utopia and they'd be trying to convert me. No one tried to convert me. I remember being in my sustainability class and, you know, and actually, I think it was actually a pretty good point. It's still a good point now is, you know, she was talking about sea level rise as it pertains to Al Gore's video, whatever his... Uh, climate change video I can't the inconvenient truth uh, mm -hmm. yep. where he was talking about sea level rise and I just raised my hand in the middle of class and 
I was like, well, if all this stuff is true, then why are liberal universities continuing to expand their campuses that are located on the beach? And if what you're saying is true, why aren't people buying investors, buying inland property, knowing that it's going to be prime real estate in the future? And she just looked at me like I had shit coming out of my ears. <laughs> and, every, and my classmates looked at me like, Republican asshole, you fucking asshole. But I still think it's a good point. Like I, I would ask people, even though I consider myself liberal, not progressive, but liberal, I do have those questions still, but it's because I do ask questions, even though I may agree with climate change when I'm at UCSB and I have a professor in my car because I'm Ubering while I'm going through law school. I ask them like, you know, I'm with you. I believe in this stuff, but why is it that you why is it that US UCSB is expanding their campus continuously on the peninsula that is right on the beach when you know yeah, that I, all of this is going to be under the water. Some and, of the, you know, the things about that, and then I, I think we should wrap it up, is that uh, kind of like with the whole COVID thing, I feel like people are like, okay, no one's going to react to this whole climate change thing. So let's over-dramatize it a little bit to scare people. Um, and then, and because it is an issue and it's going to come up. And so we'll scare them and yeah. then we'll course correct and it will all be good. And then what happens is people go, you're fucking crazy. The world's going to explode in 20 years. And they're like, I'm telling you, it's on fire. And it is on fire, but give it 100 or 200 or 300 years. And then we're really going to be fucked. Not 20. Yeah. And then 20 years go and they'd be like, yeah, see, you fucking idiot. Like, well, nothing knows? happened. Yeah. And it was just, why don't we put our money where our mouth is? Like, if we truly believe in this stuff, like that's. That, that's what I'm saying, and I agree with you. But yeah, they, sorry, they, don't, like, they don't believe it either. They know it's going to be much, much longer. Um, or it could be sooner. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just don't know why. My assumption, we're though, not, is that they, be, they don't believe it themselves, that it's that impending. And that well, that's why I would ask. I, that's why I would ask. I like, don't why? think they do. And I think when you ask that question, they go, well, you, you don't think this is important. And it's. I definitely think it's important, but I think you're yeah. over overreacting a little bit in that people are seeing through that and now not believing you at all which like kind of again I think like the whole COVID thing was like this reaction it's like well we better make this out to be really awful so people hop on board and then it's like you get called out on your bluff and it's like well you're fucked now aren't you because well that's that's what they said about mass and everything like like they came out originally and they were saying that uh, masks don't do anything. And the reason why they did that is not because masks don't do anything like conservatives know this intuitively, but they're just caught up in this cycle of groupthink. The reason why they did that and they said that masks don't work is because we were having a shortage and they wanted to have no, like just the average citizen stop buying so that they could be allocated to uh, people in the healthcare system right. that were around these patients all the time. It's like with the Benghazi thing where our consulate was attacked in uh, Libya and Fox News went on this about this forever and this is when I became disillusioned with Fox. They kept on beating it into the ground. They're like, Obama said it was a video. They said it was a video. Well, no shit he said that it was a video that was the cause or the, that was basically the catalyst for people terrorizing the consulate and, and killing one of our ambassadors. He said that because if it was a terrorist attack, he couldn't run his campaign on the notion that we hadn't faced a terrorist attack because right. he was saying that he was saying we hadn't been attacked. 
So when it, we were attacked, he said it was a video. Yeah. So it, 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 it's all about messaging and people get so caught up in bullshit. And you're right. A lot of it is based upon fear. We need to stoke fear. And that's why I'm for the ethical treatment of animals. But PETA drives me fucking nuts. Like if I have yeah. to drive by a billboard where it says, you know, eating the egg is eating the same thing as, as a period, a female period. <laughs> I start eating. I start eating more eggs because they're relying on people to be stupid yeah. and fearful. They're relying I, on us to be kids. I they look I at us as kids. You, I, I uh, used to donate to Greenpeace uh, when I was younger, probably right about the time that I was living with you and moved out. Um, yeah. And I remember one time I was standing outside Trader Joe's and they were protesting. I've probably shared this story on here already that Greenpeace was out there protesting and it said Trader Joe's like Trader Joe's is they're traitors. They've betrayed us. And uh, they are, you know, the fish they're selling is farmed, not fresh caught, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just thinking, dude, Trader Joe's has been your ally the whole time. The moment that they yeah. do something you don't agree with, you fucking throw them under the bus. Like, and that is literally when I stopped supporting them and I even wrote them a letter and told them, I'm like, look, this is like, it's too over the top. Like you're, you're fighting your friends here on this. Like you should be fighting your enemies and, and, you know, getting people, uh, you know, they're on your side, like maybe not exactly, but like, don't throw them under the bus. And I got no responses from anybody. Like they don't give a shit. It's just uh, an organization that wants money and people need to get paid. Um, look, yeah. um, I, I think we got to call it here. Um, but, uh, I think this was a good conversation and I want to think a little bit more about ranked choice voting. But again, I think that, uh, it's something if, I want to talk about how do we get this on the ballot and, and how do we get it in more places so that it's more important to look if we just get it for it's not going to happen this year. But if we get it in the future for um, presidential elections and stuff, that's great. But like we should even be considering getting this for our own governor elections and things like that. Oh, yeah, so I would Absolutely. Uh, I would love to continue to talk about how Maine went about doing this, um, what type of resistance there was, what the propositions look like, things like that. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. Hopefully, we'll cover that next time on Wayward Weekly. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a production.